Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to The Money Play. We're your hosts, Hunter Vanderpool and Brandon Yulstead, and we're joined today by legal expert Drew Davenport. Drew is a practicing criminal defense attorney for almost 20 years, as well as a staff writer for footballguys.com. When criminal law and football collide, Drew Davenport is your guy. Drew is an expert in auction draft style fantasy football and has his own seven-part series called Mastering the Auction Draft, where he takes a deep dive into the human psychology of auction drafting awesome i'm great thanks for having me guys uh yeah auction drafting is um it's it's definitely different and it's not the dominant uh form of of fantasy drafting but gosh i love auction drafting it's so much fun basically instead of picking players draft style like they do in the nfl draft uh we nominate players and those nominations can come in any order and that's part of what's fun about it uh, when the guys get nominated, then everybody in the room bids and you only have a certain amount of money that you can use, uh, to get your whole roster. Yeah. So it's a scarcity situation where you're trying to decide where you're placing your dollars and how much money you're spending on certain players. But yeah. it's really fun because you have the whole player pool available to you, it, you know, in, in the draft style, you, you're really limited to certain guys that you know are going to fall to you in the range where you're picking and an auction, you know, allows you to, to, to go after whoever you want, whoever you're excited about. Okay. Brandon and I are both very new to the auction mm-hmm. fantasy format. We really hadn't done in-depth look into it until we started looking at having you on the show Yeah, and it's kind of opened our eyes. I mean, what a cool format. Let me, let me, regurgitate this back to you here uh probably Mm -hmm. a little bit too graphic of a term to use for what i'm about to do (laughs) but uh let's say all right so you have 12 guys in an auction league uh is that a pretty typical pretty standard number okay so so that's the same as other fantasy formats how do you determine who gets the first nomination well that's that's random uh we've we've done some fun things to pick that order but that part's random. Okay, so like names out of a hat or whatever, basically. Yeah, yeah. Okay. All right, so let's do it this way. So who would you nominate? If you were going to be the first person to put out a nomination, would you rather do someone that you think is going to do a lot of hype that, say, you're not that interested in? Like maybe it's a Patrick Mahomes, try and get people to spend money early. Reading through your articles, there's, like you said, so much human psychology that goes into this. So what's kind of a, a strategy standpoint? Um, yeah. Yeah, there is. There's a ton that goes into it. And I'll tell you what, um, I could fill up uh, a whole summer of podcasts about the strategies because all the variables in a draft room are just sort of infinite because Mm -hmm. every time something happens, then the room changes a little bit because there's less money and there's less players. But the strategy I use uh, early in a draft, you know, when I when I go into a draft, I preach to everyone, you need to have a plan for what you're going to do. Mm-hmm. So uh, an approximate amount of money you're going to spend at each position. Gotcha. And so 
what you want to do is early on in the draft, you really want to get your plan started. Okay. And the reason for that is like, let's say for instance, um, you're going to spend on a quarterback like, like Mahomes. Like let's say you want one and you can't sit around and wait four rounds until Mahomes is nominated because then by that point you might've missed on a lot of guys that you otherwise might've right. been on okay. while you're waiting on Mahomes. So I try to define my draft early by getting some players out there that are going to work towards what I'm trying to do in the draft. And then later on, I'm doing what, what you suggested, which is now I've spent some of my money. Now I want other people to spend their money. So I get players mm -hmm. out there that I'm not interested in. Gotcha. And uh, so, you know, if I were to say I want Mahomes, but I'm not going to own Lamar Jackson, then I'm trying to get Jackson out there to make sure that that money's pulled out of the room. I love that. That, that there's just sense. so much more strategy in the draft process. Yeah. In that league format. Yeah, I love that too. What are some like the people try to be funny and throw out like, you know, kickers first and stuff like that and it takes forever oh, yeah. to get to the the good players type of thing? Yeah, you know, it goes both ways. It's funny. We uh in one of my home leagues that these guys are all real veterans and we've been doing it a while. Sure. Nobody will spend more than a dollar on a kicker. So mm -hmm that's just assumed you don't waste money on a kicker mm -hmm. while well, these guys have been doing it a long time. So they will try to name the best kickers first, okay. uh, just as a little, like a little jab, like I'm going to get this best kicker for a dollar. Yeah. Um, that can, that's that can be a little funny. annoying, but that's yeah, there's kind of all kinds of strategies. Thinking. Like throw a Tucker out there right yeah. away and like try to make somebody spend more than a dollar on them. Yeah. You know, to get the sure. best kicker. And that's a strategy because you, you know, every dollar over one for a kicker or even like a defense, Right. That's a waste of money. So, yeah. So guys have different approaches to it. Um, some guys don't have any approach. Yeah, <laughs> you can tell yeah. that too. <laughs> <laughs> Usually can. Yeah. As far as um, structure goes. All right. So what's a starting amount typically like in these auction formats? Is it like a hundred dollars or 200, 200 pretty standard. Okay. Yeah. Say like Patrick Mahomes or Lamar Jackson, kind of the, the pinnacle of hype, right? What does a guy like that go for? Or Christian McCaffrey or, you know, well, that varies widely by position. Um, when you're talking about the running back and wide receiver positions, running back is much more exciting and hyped up. It's also a little more scarce. Sure. So a guy like McCaffrey, uh, guys like Kamara, Barkley, those guys, they're going to go well north of 50. Most leagues, it's going to be between 60 and 70 bucks. Wow. Wow. Yeah. yeah. That's... But then Mahomes... Yeah, go ahead. No, I was just, I'm just wrapping my head around it. You know, that, I mean, that's over 25% of your budget. That's for a single player. And your rosters are, are your rosters still 16 man rosters? Correct. And Most is it, of them are, yeah. yeah, like PPR or half point or standard? Correct. All, all mine are PPR. Yeah. yeah. But, okay. Yeah. You're dropping a bunch wow. of money. Okay. If you're getting one of those top lot. quarterbacks, you're dropping a bunch of money on one of those guys. Wow. But or excuse me, running backs. Yeah. But then if you go to quarterback, it calms down a little bit. And I would say that you can get Mahomes 30 bucks is about right okay. for a guy yeah. like Mahomes okay. or Jackson. And then at wide receiver, it's it's a discount off of the running backs by about ten to fifteen percent. So you're talking maybe forty five bucks, something like that, instead of sixty. Okay. So yeah, kind of some carryover there, and that you know, uh, not as much of a points differential between the elite quarterbacks and the next ten or so. And then with the running backs, though, you you are seeing a significant drop off from a guy like Christian McCaffrey, who's going to have you know, uh, two hundred and fifty carries and a hundred receptions, you know, to his name, 
just yeah. the whole and, deal. And the the scarcity at running back means the drop off doesn't happen as quickly. So you'll see at quarterback, it's just Jackson and Mahomes, and then it drops off a cliff, and yeah. you'll have a top ten quarterbacks sometimes going to go for six or seven bucks. Wow, gotcha. Whereas at at running back at the top ten, uh, you know, a top ten running back still going to go for over thirty and sometimes over forty bucks. Hmm. Very so the scarcity is dri- drives that price up. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so follow up question. So moving on from the draft format throughout league mm-hmm. play, when you get to waivers, mm-hmm. do you guys? How do you guys set your your fab budget there? Well, so the free agent budget is in the leagues I'm in, and this is by far the most popular format Mm -hmm. the fab budget is not connected to your auction budget okay Okay. draft that's what i was getting at yeah but most of the time it'll be the same so for instance i'm in a league where the cap is 300 bucks but so then at the beginning of the year we get 300 to spend through the whole season for the free agent budget yeah okay sorry i'm gonna i'm gonna go back so is the auction when the auction's happening is it all i saw that you you bring in an auctioneer or you act as an auctioneer. So I do it, but yeah. Yeah. Is it a, so there, is there complete visibility as to who's betting on what? Yes. Yeah. 100%. Okay. So the way, you know, I started doing it just out of necessity, even though I'm in the leagues where I'm the auctioneer. Yeah. But that sounds kind of weird, but it's actually not that difficult. Yeah. You, sure. just, you get a cadence down where you just going once pause, going twice pause. And if you get that, pause correct every time nobody has a problem with right. it. Right. So yeah, yeah we <laughs> you start speeding up that uh, one Mississippi, two Mississippi. <laughs> guys probably start right, getting a little testy. Me, say, Once twice sold. Yeah. But, yeah. yeah. Oh, like, and I won it again. Yeah, look at me go. <laughs> look at I got you so cheap. How did yeah. that happen? <laughs> yeah, that's funny. Very cool. Yeah. I yeah. think that's awesome. I think that's awesome. I know. I think I don't into. see why everyone doesn't do that, honestly. I mean we wouldn't have to change the rest me, of man. our league format. Yeah. We would just be able to add that. And that's just another wrinkle to keep your league even more interesting. Yeah. Because that's what, as commissioner of our league, I've been running our league now. We've had the same group of guys roughly for about 11 years now. Yeah. I've been acting as commissioner the past five, I think. Yeah. And so we're always trying to look for ways to kind of reinvent the same experience, right? Keep guys engaged, keep it oh, interesting. Man. And that is sounds just, I Do mean, it. yeah, yeah, it sounds awesome. I mean, maybe even <laughs> well, this year. Let, yeah, why not? Let me say Sweet. this. This has been successful for me. If you... What I tell people all the time is, tell your league, let's do it this way this year. Yeah. And if we don't all love it, then we'll just go back to the snake yeah. the next year. And nobody ever says no. They, yeah. they just, they get into it and they're like, that was so much better. I don't know why I ever did it the other way. Yeah, totally. Awesome. See that. Yeah, I think I think that's what we're going to do. And um, anyone listening, uh, head on over to footballguys.com and search search bar up in the top right corner. You can type in Drew Davenport or Andrew Davenport on the website and it'll bring yep. up all of his articles and yep. uh, excellent resource. Um, obviously you yep. heard him talking about it. Thanks. So. Yeah. yeah. Took, uh, took a lot of time to put that seven part series together. It was, it was one of those things where I just said, there's nothing out there about the human psychology of this. Yeah. And when you're in a live draft room, all that stuff is incredibly important to getting in the best team. So I thought like, this is something that needs to be out there. So yeah. 100%. Yeah, they, they talk about human psychology in the you know in the stock markets and everything else, but yeah. then they're gonna brush over it on the fantasy football. I don't think so. No. <laughs> <laughs> so so Drew's got us covered there. Um, 
next, you know, moving on here, Drew's second field of expertise. Uh, we're going to dive into, um, you know, the criminal side of the NFL <laughs> here, I guess, yeah. you know, as it comes up, uh, maybe a little too frequent, but, um, we've got some, got some big, big names here being thrown around and in the ledger today. And, uh, Drew's gonna do his best and he's very good at it. I've been following him on Twitter for about two years now. And, uh, this is what initially drew my attention to you was, um, seeing the legal advice. I was browsing fantasy football, mm-hmm. Twitter and the, the search, and uh, I saw this guy, Drew Davenport, tweeting out about, I forget who it was. Probably Tyreek Hill when you were following I, me. I want to say, I want to say I was in before Tyreek Hill, but oh, uh, it okay. might have been Tyreek Hill. But um, I definitely did follow you throughout the whole Tyreek Hill saga. And we're going to revisit that today. But we've got sure. a few, um, we've got a few topics here for, for Drew to cover. We're going to start with uh, Darius Geis. And um, Drew, I came up with a, uh, a rating system here for, for Darius Geis's situation. It's a little bit cringy, okay. but um, on a scale of one to Ray Rice, how done is Darius Geis? <laughs> Rhymes too. Well, uh, Wordplay. he's about, um, he's about a six on a scale oh. of one to Ray Rice. Okay. okay. You know, it, it's a little different and I know this sounds a little uh, cringy as well, but you know, the NFL didn't have a problem with what Ray Rice did until the video came out. <sighs> That was so absurd. You know, I don't know how they're going to treat the guy's situation as far as, I mean, the, the severity of it is, is just, a, it's terrible. It's an, it's an awful yeah. accusation. Maybe we should outline the accusations here for yeah. everyone that's not familiar. Um, yeah. Do you want to take it? Cause I'm sure you have sure. more details than I have reading sure. TMZ. Yeah. So they charged him with, with a couple different uh, events that happened since I believe February. Mm -hmm. And I think there were three different events. So he's got three uh, misdemeanors, but then he also has one felony and that's the most important one. And because the felony charge uh, out of the state of Virginia, there is a uh, strangulation statute. Mm -hmm. And the allegation is that he uh, put his hands around her neck until she passed out. And I believe the charging document says that she awoke to him over her body, like crying. Yeah. Crying and tapping Uh, her body, trying to wake her up. Yeah. That's what I read. Yeah. Yeah. So that's how it became a felony instead of a misdemeanor. That's a whole new ball of wax there. Yeah. And there's pictures. I believe she took pictures of the marks around her neck uh, when she was in the airport because she had to leave for like a meeting or something the next day. And then um, to throw on top of it all, it just surfaced today that he uh, got a misdemeanor speeding ticket or a reckless driving ticket for going 95 and a 55, um, I believe, in late June or July. So he's now got four speeding tickets, I believe, in the past calendar year. I'm not sure if that's entirely accurate on top of all this. So they're saying, I'm sure you'll dive into it more, but that the, the judge could really it's going to come down to the judge and he can throw the book at him if he wants. There's a lot of stuff that he could get him for, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that just sort of adds to what his pattern of behavior has been since LSU. Right. Now I, I don't know that there's any, I, I did some research and I didn't see anything as far as the domestic violence side of things at LSU. Okay. But I did see that uh, I, I like the term knucklehead and I use it mm-hmm. kind of a lot because there's just some guys that just do silly knucklehead stuff. Yeah. And he's kind of been doing that since 
he's been at LSU. And that was the reason his draft stock fell as far as it did. Mm -hmm. So I think that what kind of things is he doing? Um, just laziness, not showing up to meetings, uh, just kind of screwing around and not following the rules. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Just a little rule crazy. Right. Yeah. But, but I always say that none of that stuff is in a vacuum. You can't just look at that and be like, Oh, he was a college kid because that kind of behavior follows you. Sure. Uh, And if those are the decisions you make, you're going to continue to make those decisions until you run into a guardrail that either wakes you up or kills you. Yeah. So, Wise so words. he's, yeah, he's got a he's got a tough situation because even the speeding stuff, like in Ohio uh, where I practice, if you get enough tickets, it becomes a jailable offense. I'm guessing he's at that point in yeah. in Virginia, although I haven't looked up the the code statute. I, I'm guessing that's where he is. So he's just adding to his problems at this point. Yeah, definitely. Okay. Okay. So, um, um, you know, I can talk about a couple other aspects of the case, or, um, yeah. So. From, from your point of view, I guess we can kind of move on, um, but we'll okay. wrap it up here and we'll, you know, ask for your professional opinion here. Um, having been yeah. involved, you know, looking at NFL players like this, um, what would your advice be to people who are looking to maybe add them to their fantasy football roster, um, either now or in dynasty formats? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so for this year, I've been telling everybody this year is basically a wash. He's, you know, speedy trial on a felony is usually somewhere in the neighborhood of 270 days. I doubt that it's going to go to court very quickly unless they push for it to go to court quickly. Um, But I would guess that even should he get through this whole thing with a minimum of damage in the court system, uh, then the NFL is going to turn around and take a look at it too. So I would guess that just for redraft purposes, meaning just for this year, it's he's completely toxic. I'd stay away. Mm-hmm. Um, but as far as dynasty goes, what I've been telling people is I don't think right now, if he's on your dynasty team, his, his values rock bottom. You got to hold him. Yeah. Uh, and then if he gets through this and a lot of the things that I'm looking for as an attorney are things that also the NFL is going to be looking for. Mm-hmm. And that are, those are things that we call terms of art. Like, is he going to buy into, Hey, I've either got mental health issues I've got substance abuse issues or I need anger counseling. Mm. If he's saying those buzzwords and he's buying into it, we'll get to that with Antonio Brown later. Cause I think he is. Yeah. Um, but, but if guys is not buying into it, if he's still saying, no, 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 this is all her. Uh, I think you're going to see a severe reaction from the NFL. Yeah. But assuming that his attorney can get it through his head. Like, Hey, look, you need to take care of this stuff. Uh, and he starts saying those things. I think that as far as dynasty value goes, he still has some value. So okay. I would guess maybe NFL is going to give him six games if he if he uh, works out something in the criminal case and accepts responsibility. Yeah. Six sounds about right because that's kind of where they're at with domestic violence on a first offense. Okay, um, but if he doesn't own up to it, uh, boy, it's it's a bad situation. So if yeah. you're in dynasty and you hear he's got a suspension, it's a definite suspension. Uh, that I might try to unload him on the bounce there yeah, uh, after yeah. that because there's no indication he's going to change his ways until we start hearing some of the right things coming out of his mouth. Yeah, sure. That makes a lot of sense. Makes sense. Okay, well, you kind of set us up there, so I'm going to jump around a little bit here on the topics if that's okay. Uh, no problem. If we, if we move right to the Tyreek slash Zeke um, situations, Ooh. and like you said with the Tyreek case, so most of us are – 
listening are probably at least a little familiar with the Tyreek Hill case yeah. um, where um, his, well, he had two incidents, one where he allegedly, was it punched his girlfriend in the stomach while she was pregnant or was correct. Punched, yeah. And then the yep. second one was that their son, um, their son who was, I believe like four years old or something like that had a broken arm mm-hmm. And it was going around as to how the arm got broken, who broke the arm. Uh, She was accusing him. He was kind of saying it was just an accident, if I'm not mistaken. And I wanted to talk about, because this kind of raised the question in my mind when you said the terms of art. Um, I didn't really see, and maybe he did, I'm just saying how I remembered it. Um, I didn't really see Tyreek come out and admit any fault. And I remembered her coming out and saying, you know, that it was that like, you know, a bunch of tapes surfaced and people had edited the tapes to try and make Tyreek Hill appear much more monstrous than he actually was when you listen to the long form of the tape. But mm-hmm. um, then it came out kind of that she was maybe playing things up or playing things down, but manipulating the truth a little bit. So mm-hmm. I wanted to, I was, I'm very curious that kind of raised the, raised the question for me as to how the Tyreek King, Tyreek Hill thing actually ended up shaking out and how he avoided any sort of penalty. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what, one of the things that I missed on the Tyreek Hill case, and it was not something I, I necessarily could have seen. Yeah. Um, because believe it or not, you know, practicing law is just kind of like practicing medicine. It's just a, there's not always black and white answers. Right, right. Um, so when I got into the Tyreek Hill thing, the thing that I thought everyone was missing was, uh, pulled from my own experience, was it, in cases like this, there is a lot of work product generated to handle a case like this detectives, police reports, and statements from people who are involved, children's services, things like that. Sure. Of course, there's plenty of, um, there's plenty of privacy issues when it comes to a small child. Right. But, but my opinion of it was the NFL is going to investigate this and there's going to be some people that tell them off the record, Hey, look, yeah, we can't really give you this stuff, but, uh, here's what we know. We strongly suspect X, Y, and Z. I thought all of that would kind of happen and percolate up to the NFL. And I thought he was going to get hit for something. Yeah, me well, too. The thing that I missed was the judge in the case uh, ended up sealing all the records of the case and putting a gag order on everybody involved with the case. So I don't know how his attorneys managed that because I've never heard of that before. That's in a crazy. criminal case like that. Or a little, uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, little home cooking or something going yeah, on maybe a little, little bribery type uh, thing yeah. going on or we won't have you speculate because you're the legal guy but yeah. uh we can right. speculate all we want you know we yeah. wear our tinfoil hats yeah, all the time a, so Tariq's a money maker for the well league, that's you know there's a, that's a speculate that's worth speculating yeah it's pretty weird that is super weird because i remember i was following it you know through your feed and you know doing my own little google searches and all that too because i was very interested and, and then it seemed it all just kind of evaporated very quickly yep yeah yeah, and it was, I was shocked. I was shocked by that. Yeah. Cause all, I mean, it did yeah. move pretty fast, didn't it? Well, I mean, it was, it was like not moving at all kind of for a while there. And they kept saying everyone's investigating this and they're working with local authorities. And then all these statements were coming out uh, from everyone and just more and more information kind of started coming out. And then it was like, 
then I saw the media kind of shift the narrative to, you know, uh, Tyreek Hill had kind of maybe been um, framed in this negative light by because the edited mm -hmm. uh, soundbite came out where they spliced the audio together, making it seem like he's like directly calling her, you know, these names and all these things mm -hmm. where he said those words, but they were 100% taken out of context. And so then it started getting kind of spun like that where Tyreek Kill wasn't this domestic abuse monster or whatever. Yeah. And then the whole thing just kind of stopped. And yeah, that's how I remembered it. Anyways. Yeah. <laughs> it's it, it, it did, it vanished. And, and I was just kind of sitting there with my mouth open. Like, you know, when you'd been doing this 20 years, not many things surprise you. That surprised me. Um, that's interesting. But, you know, I, I, I couldn't have foreseen that. That was, that was a little bit odd. I'm, I, I'm surprised they were able to do that, but that's one heck of an attorney. Um, the one thing I'll say about Tyreek though is, is, and I don't, I don't ever like to say things that I don't have any basis for, Sure. but I've worked with domestic violence, both victims and my clients for a long time. And guys who, two things happened. Number one, you heard the phone call. Right. Uh, and I understand that it was kind of like spliced up and whatever, but he made a comment in there. I don't know if you remember what he said when she said, you know, he's afraid of you talking about their son. Yeah. And he said, you should be afraid of me too. Yeah. Yeah. And okay. Like, I don't know about you guys, but I've never said anything like that in my life. Yeah. yeah, yeah, <laughs> in yeah a yeah. serious fashion. Yeah. Yeah. So totally. that, and the fact that he got a, got off like free and clear. I'm not saying he had anything to do with it. We don't know. But what I'm saying is guys that, that face these issues and a get away with them and B say things like that when they're going on. Yeah. I worry about them in the future. Right. Yeah, yeah well, definitely. You, yeah. Sure. I think Tyreek Hill, um, I don't know who knows. Maybe, maybe Mahomes has now taken a leadership role and, you know, righted the ship or something. They just lock Tyreek in a house and, uh, yeah, <laughs> be like, Hey man, play Madden, yeah, yeah, uh, so. you know, listen, listen to music, whatever, but, uh, you're not allowed around any substances or other people. And I don't know that he had any issues with substances or anything like that, but yeah. a little, lot of no, the time. Your point's taken though. Yeah. 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 So hopefully, uh, hopefully Mahomes has got him on the straight and narrow. How, how about Zeke's stuff? Zeke's stuff was, uh, uh, I remember a lot of weird details coming out about the Zeke stuff too. Like the, you know, and it's so hard to tell, like we keep kind of revisiting is that, you know, he said, she said kind of things, like you said, nothing's really black and white. And so I remember Zeke had the allegations of domestic abuse on his girlfriend at the time. And they'd been together for a while, but not a crazy long period of time. And then some text messages surfaced that this girl was saying to her other girls that she was going to get money for breast implants from Zeke out of mm -hmm. this. He was either going to pay her or, you know, or she was going to frame him or something like that. And so uh, just a lot of weird stuff. And Zeke's kind of, you know, like you used the term knucklehead. Uh, Zeke's kind of been putting himself in little stupid situations, uh, like the pushing the security guard at the festival, like, you know, and yeah, that security guard might've been out of line for sure, but everyone knows who you are, Zeke. Yeah. Uh, you know, you got to take the high road yeah, every time. Yeah. Zeke. It sucks. But even when they're just kids, cause Zeke is still so young. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. but yeah. So what, uh, where's the Zeke situation stand right now and what's your, um, What's your outlook? Well, I, I tell you what, of the guys we've talked about, Geis, uh, Tyree Kill, and, and Zeke, 
I'm least concerned about Zeke. Yeah. Uh, doesn't mean that I'm not because I, I'll say this. So the incidents happened in Columbus. Sure. I tried to get the police report, but that is not available, even though a lot of police reports are available online. So interesting. Maybe <laughs> so it ended I, up in the same envelope as Tyreek Hill's case. So. Yeah. Right, right. <laughs> well, here's the thing with domestic violence cases in general. Yeah. They're sometimes difficult because there's so many moving parts. Mm-hmm. The victim can request to have the, the uh, case dismissed and the prosecutor doesn't have to agree to it. Uh, but if they don't show up for court, a lot of times, you know, you reference the he said, she said, uh, believe it or not. And a lot of people don't know this, but most of my domestic violence cases come down to just testimony. There's almost no evidence. Interesting. So, mm-hmm. yeah, almost all of my domestic violence cases are he said, she said. Yeah. So he, his case was interesting because I don't really think she had a bunch of injuries or anything, no. but there was certainly, I was, it's super cliche, but where there's smoke, there's fire. I, I don't think that he goes through his life making all these poor decisions and that everything's just made up. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I, there's, there's something going on with him that it's either immaturity and just entitlement as a football player, mm-hmm. which could totally be it. Whereas I look at a guy like Geis and, and his allegations, that tells me that there's something he needs to work through. Whereas Zeke, I feel like some just some better decision making and and understanding he's not so entitled. Maybe he's going to be all right. And he stayed out of trouble for a couple of years now, so yeah. I have optimism for him. Yeah, I think um, out of all the guys we've talked about, like you're saying, I think Zeke uh, just you know snap judgments on character. Zeke seems to have quite a bit of control over himself, just as an individual. Yeah. Um, and you know, it seems like he's got, I mean, you have to imagine being, being the star running back in Dallas, you just saw what they paid him. He's got to have the best team yeah. around him that you could imagine. You know, if you think Jerry mm-hmm. Jones doesn't have a, uh, I'm watching that new show, uh, the black orphan, uh, it's not on Netflix it. or anything like that. It's, it's, I don't know, a little sci-fi show, but they've all got, They've all got monitors assigned to them that are secretly implanted into their life just to make sure they stay out of trouble and all this stuff. So I bet Jerry Jones has got a monitor on Zeke. Oh, yeah. You know, there was a rumor that he had one of those on uh, Des Bryant. Oh, I wouldn't wouldn't doubt it, yeah. But he had a team assigned to him by the Cowboys to make sure he didn't do dumb stuff. Yeah, Jerry's totally that guy, right? Like way too involved in everyone's life. everyone's personal lives and all that stuff. Like if, if any NFL owner slash GM was going to do that, I think it'd be Jerry Jones. Um, okay. So we'll touch real quick on the, um, Quentin Dunbar Baker situation where they went to a party in Miami, I believe it was. And, um, allegedly we'll say, uh, (laughs) Baker pulled out a, I forget his first name. Is it Deandre Baker? Uh, yes correct yeah okay uh deandre baker allegedly pulled out a gun and instructed two other individuals to rob the players at the poker game after it was alleged that uh dunbar and baker had lost over seventy thousand dollars at the game um now to catch people up uh dunbar's charges have all been dismissed i think and um Baker, though, is facing robbery charges. Yes. Armed robbery. Armed robbery charges. Armed Um, robbery, yes. And 
there's a whole bunch of fun stuff uh, that, that comes into play on this one. And we'll, we'll try to make it quick because this one doesn't have a lot of fantasy yeah. implications, but um, Drew, take it yeah. away. Well, yeah, uh, thanks. So the, the short version of it is, yeah, you got the, the facts there. Um, are, they're just kind of crazy, and we could, <laughs> we could do a long bit on that. But the short version is uh, Baker is in a ton of trouble here. He's in a real bad spot yeah. because they add what's called a firearm specification on the charge, mm-hmm. and a firearm spec leads to mandatory prison time. Oh, so man. I don't know if you remember the Plaxico Burris case where yeah, he, yeah. Brought, he brought a gun into a club. <laughs> How could I forget? That's all he did anything. <laughs> he shot himself. Like he didn't yeah, do anything. Uh, but, but there's a hard, hard line there. It's a mandatory yeah. sentencing issue. And if they're, he's found to have used the gun in the commission of the offense, there's going to be mandatory prison time. Uh, wow. So that's something a judge can't even decide on. Okay. So that's the yeah. main issue with him. And the charge that he's got, uh, is not just a robbery charge, but an armed robbery charge. So there's mm-hmm. there's several charges that lined up, and we're not just talking. He's going to do 18 months and 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 get out on probation. He's he's looking at some serious time. So he's in a big big world of hurt. Dun, uh, Dunbar, on the other hand, I the the most interesting thing, <laughs> the biggest highlight I'll point to is yeah. the, all the accounts of what happened. Is like half of them said he had a gun, and half of them said he didn't. Yeah. So all the witnesses could not agree on what he did. Uh, the charging documents say that he was involved with taking these valuables by force. Uh-huh. And it was said that he used a gun, but then they declined to prosecute, which I'm pretty sure that they didn't even take it to the grand jury. Yeah. So that means they just really had nothing. And and so Dunbar is good to go. He was practicing the other day. So he yeah, was yeah. good to go. As a Seahawks fan. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. We're looking at a pretty stacked secondary back there now. With, uh, I mean, people totally forgot about the Dunbar transaction. I mean, because it happened pretty early in the offseason. But I mean, he was like the, I want to say he was Pro Football Focus's number one, or he was definitely top five rated cornerbacks uh, on the season last year in his coverage grade. And they got him for like a fifth round pick. And then he went and did all this, and then he looked like a total total bust. And then all yeah. of a sudden, all the charges evaporated, and now no one remembers anything. So, if all uh, we know is he's playing. Let's go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so that's Crazy fun. Story. Yeah. And, and Baker's also saying now, I saw um, when I was Googling this, uh, prepping for our, our call here, I was looking at Baker's attorney or the, the prosecuting attorney. Because Baker's attorney used a defense that Baker had brought his own gaming console to the party and that he wasn't out there playing um, poker with them, that he was in another room playing Madden. And so now the prosecuting attorney has requested a digital game signature uh, from Madden to see if he was online at the time of the... uh, Wow. At the robbery. So I, wow. I highly doubt he's going to find a digital game. Yeah, he's really trying uh, to can, can I give you my professional opinion? Yeah, uh, go ahead. <laughs> I've heard that one before is my professional opinion. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly. Uh, yeah. That, even as someone who's got zero background in uh, legal situations, uh, yeah, I've seen that one before too. <laughs> so. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, okay, so we're going to... As far as uh, player situations go, let's move on to the Antonio Brown one. 
um, because I've seen that one buzzing around a lot on Twitter, people asking whether or not he's draftable, uh, whether or not they should take a flyer on him. Um, and we were kind of chit-chatting before the show here. It's like, what, what's he in trouble for? Um, he's retired multiple times now. He's unretired multiple times now. Uh, yeah. He's got seemingly a, a, a slew of altercations with everyone. Um, and so, uh, yeah, where, where are you at with Antonio or what do you have? Just anything, (laughs) try and make sense of it all. Yeah. Well, gosh, it's, it is a complicated case because so he, I think that we're seeing something and I want to be clear that this is, uh, something that I think is really important to the case as we were watching Antonio Brown last fall and then early this winter, we were seeing classic signs of mental health issues. Yeah. And it wasn't as if, um, you know, a lot of times people see this erratic behavior and they're like, oh, this is just a crazy entitled superstar. And it's like, now when you're around it long enough, you recognize when somebody's not taking care of their mental health. Right. And just all the bizarre stuff, like posting his feet on Instagram, you know, when he came to camp. Yeah. There's some really uh, weird stuff. Mm-hmm. yeah yeah you know the helmet thing mm-hmm. and at first you're like okay one incident uh this guy's a diva second incident oh you roll your eyes but when it continues to happen you realize okay this person's not taking care of their mental health yeah. and mm-hmm. so i don't want to make a joke out of that because that's it's obviously something he was struggling with and the reason i, I i'm i feel pretty vindicated in that opinion since last fall yeah is that it took this criminal case and the judge ordering him to go to mental health treatment in order for him to turn around. And I don't know if you've noticed, but since he got out on bond on the criminal case mm-hmm. where a condition of his bond was to go to treatment, he has been a completely different person. Yeah, totally. So he's on medication. He's mm-hmm. seeing a counselor and, it, and he's been fine. There's no crazy posts on, yeah. on social media. Yeah. He's been following his attorney's advice. So I, I've been banging the drum for, drum for a couple months now saying, look, you should be, if you're drafting, you're doing these best balls or you're doing whatever you should be looking at Antonio Brown, because I think he's getting back in the league here. I think he's doing what the NFL wants him to do. Yeah. Now I was a little surprised that they hit him with eight games because my argument and and I'm sure his legal counsel's argument to the NFL was he's been on a de facto suspension since the end of September last year, where the league put out a statement and said, he's not on the commissioner exempt list now because he's a free agent. But if you sign him, we're going to put him on the exempt list. Right. So I thought that that was pretty much an NFL-imposed uh, ban. Mm-hmm. But something definitely happened behind the scenes because he's not appealing that eight-game suspension. And I would guess that they have an agreement with the NFL. Like, if he continues to stay out of trouble and he does what he's supposed to do uh, with his counseling, they're not going to suspend him for anything else in, in all these cases. And when I say all these cases, I mean because he's got the stuff that happened – criminally but then he's also got the civil sexual assault allegations right so i'm pretty sure that his decision not to appeal the suspension has come with the fact that the nfl said okay we've looked at everything and this is what we're giving you if you want to appeal this then uh good luck to you but we can do x y or z yeah so i think he's agreed to it that's what it sounds like to me that's just a guess but okay so do you think he plays football in 2020 i do I do. Um, And and again, this is all with the caveat that if we continue to see the same Antonio, 
Mm-hmm. I think he's handling it himself. Yeah. And one of the things, you know, we're, we'll talk about the, the the marijuana stuff, but this dovetails nicely because a lot of these guys who have mental health issues, you know, they grow up in a very, um, uh, you know, manly culture around right. football yeah. where it's not cool to admit that you've got these issues. Yeah. So what they do is they use weed to try to regulate the processes that are going on that really should be regulated by over the counter by prescription medications. Mm-hmm. So I think that's what was happening with Antonio. Yeah. I think he was self-medicating with the marijuana and it just, you know, it, it led to a bad place, but I do think he's handling it now. So the caveat is, you know, if you start seeing some of this behavior again, you know, you ought to be hands off, but until then, uh, I think that after game eight, I think he's going to be somewhere playing this year. Yeah. He's yeah. definitely worth a flyer. And I know, um, yeah, I know Russell Wilson and the Seahawks have been very, uh, I'd say like indirectly vocal about wanting Antonio Brown to come to Seattle. Mm-hmm. And they usually do that with, you know, broken toys that they yeah. think they can fix. And so if they're starting, they've been this off season, they've been saying more and more of that as he's become more and more removed from all the, you know, incidents that have been going on. And so I, I think that further supports what you're saying. Um, yeah. That, you know, after eight yeah. games. And I also, there's one other data point I would point to is mm-hmm. there's been comments about how he's gone to the mediation table a couple of times with this uh, woman in the, uh, the sexual assault civil case. Okay. And in that mediation, he's come close to settling. And they've reported a couple of times that he came really close to settling for, quote, you know, a couple million dollars. Yeah. And, I believe that his attorney's probably telling him, settle this thing and put it behind you. Yeah. Because if, if he goes to, th- to the discovery process in a mm-hmm. civil case and all this stuff comes out and it's fresh, the NFL definitely left it open in their statement about his suspension that he could have future punishment. Gotcha. So I think his attorney s- has seen enough to know <laughs> this isn't going to go well if we go through yeah. the civil case. Yeah. yeah. So settle this thing now. But I think Antonio is balking because – you know, he feels like uh, he's being targeted and he doesn't want to pay the money. And yep. so I think that's an important data point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And to give a little more background to that situation, the the woman with that he has the civil dispute with now, because like you said, the criminal one is settled. Um, he's got a ton of history with her, like a ton, oh, wow. like going all the way back to like early days of college at his first college and all this stuff. So um, it's, it's a really interesting thing. Um, and really uh, messy, um, like as to Incredible. why she's even hanging around him, mm-hmm. uh, if all the stuff she says is true. But I, I don't want to be the victim blamer, but I tend to be the victim blamer a lot uh, in in certain situations. But she, she just kept coming around him. So I don't know. Yeah. It's one of those hard things. Yeah, it's odd. Yeah, it's really I odd. I don't get it either. Um, I can't put myself in that. Yeah, you can't even. Shoot. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. So, um, yeah, really, really strange situation. Ton of history there. Um, okay. So let's, like you said, let's move on to the, um, let's move on to the new, the new CBA, uh, with the players association and the NFL and uh, specifically the new, um, cannabis THC regulations. So they're basically moved away from, um, suspending guys for marijuana THC use, um, to where before it was, and I didn't even really realize this, 
But before it was, um, you know, you got a couple slaps on the wrist for usage and they would refer you to rehab or whatever. Um, and it was more or less kind of optional to go. But if you like tested positive for like a third time, then you were getting a, a game or two game suspension or then it went to a four game suspension and then kept going up. Um, so now they have gotten rid of all suspensions for THC. Um, basically now the threshold has gone from 35 uh, nanograms, I believe, up to 150. And basically for you to t- test at 150, you would have to smoke like a joint, like right before you go piss in the cup. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, so it's well, pretty lenient. Yeah. But. Yeah. Yeah. It's, let me say this there in Ohio, we have the same level for intoxicated driving under uh, the marijuana statute. It's 35 nanograms per milliliter uh, of THC in your urine. And there's a couple, you know, things about that that are interesting to me. Um, you're absolutely right. The 150 is a huge number. Yeah. But I will say this. My clients get tripped up sometimes because um, without getting too graphic, when you first start to give the sample, the very beginning of the yeah. sample has all the toxins. All in the it. sediment mm-hmm. or whatever, right? Yeah, yeah you see so it sometimes. You get these insanely high results that sometimes aren't really that accurate. And some of my clients will be like, well, I smoked yesterday and it came up this level. And you're like, yeah, yeah, right. But then some of them, you know, you you can tell that they're like, how the heck did I test over? I was not smoking before I was driving. Yeah. Yeah. So there, there's a little bit of weirdness about that. So I love, I love that it's raised to 150 because that's much harder to hit. Yeah, Yeah. definitely. Um, And I, they've also neutered the, uh, the testing period. So it used to be a four month testing period and Mm -hmm. now it's two weeks, two weeks at the start of training carry start. Yeah. Yeah. If you can't stay away from the weed for those two weeks to test positive or to test negative for the NFL, then you really have a problem. Yeah. You, you need the rehab help. Uh, if you (laughs) can't put it on hold for millions of dollars for two weeks, then come on, man. Um, Okay, so, yeah, I don't know if you looked into it too much um, as far as the other substance abuse topics go. Um, yeah, a little bit. Mm-hmm. They, they changed some of the, the penalties and the testing for the performance-enhancing drugs now, too. Mm-hmm. Particularly, it looked like they kind of amped up the steroids. Um, yep. So suspensions are a little bit uh, quicker. Uh, so it's yeah, they're easier to get to. Yeah. yeah, they're easier to get to bigger suspensions for steroid positive tests, performance enhancing. Because we used to see just the PED mm-hmm. pop up, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and it was like, okay, PED, and you didn't know if it was, you know, Adderall or yeah. whether it was steroids or whatever. But now if it's a guy's first violation and you're seeing, was it four games or six games for the first test of steroids? Gosh, yeah, I don't remember exactly, but I think it was six. Yeah, it was high. Um, So they had, even for the first offense of like steroid use now, I want to say it's six. Um, And maybe maybe you could Google that real quick. But um, I want to say it's six. So you're going to know if you see a guy get his first substance abuse violation, you see a guy get six games, and it's going to be like, okay, well, that guy's guy's juicing. Um, So... Alternatively, they have the lesser suspensions for for stimulant use and diuretics, but um, that'll be pretty interesting to see how that all kind of plays out. But um, moving on to two of the biggest names here that um, 
were fell victim to the the old CBA agreement with the marijuana regulation, uh, Josh Gordon and Randy Gregory. Um, what do you see happening with those guys? Because they're still both indefinitely suspended by the NFL as of now, correct? Yes. So the one thing, and I would point this out again, we talked about it with Antonio, but a lot of times this, the marijuana is a self-medication thing that they're using as a crutch. And um, I think that that was a large part of the argument that the NFLPA was using, like, like, hey, this is where we're headed. Let's, let's be mindful of this. Yeah. But I expected to find some sort of retroactive help for these guys. And I didn't really find that. So uh, I'm not, I don't have a hammer lock on the CBA negotiations. Right. Right. Sure. (laughs) Uh, But from, I read the NFL PA and NFL management council's joint um, statement on, uh, on the substance abuse and performance enhancing drugs. And it doesn't look to me like anything's going to be retroactive to help out Gregory or Gordon. Now, having said that, uh, my understanding is that Gordon's in a pretty good position at this point. Yeah. Uh, because I think the NFL really underst- is coming around to the fact that these issues are not just he likes to uh, smoke weed and eat Funyuns. I mean, mm-hmm. he's, not, <laughs> he's not just, uh, you know, watching funny movies. Like, he's got a real problem. And I think the NFL has come around to yeah. that idea. It's taken him a little while, but I think they, but, you know, I don't think that the new CBA is going to help these guys a whole lot, to be real honest. Yeah. Interesting interesting okay um so if you had to uh you know put a put a yes or no who would you say is more likely to play in the nfl this year looking at everything right now josh gordon or antonio brown definitely brown definitely brown Um, really i think gordon's got a decent shot but yeah i'd put my money on brown for sure yeah yeah i feel like gordon would have been signed already by the seahawks um if he was if it was looking like it was going to go his way. Yeah. Same as they, I mean, they had him in camp. They've kind of stuck by him this whole time, but um, he's still not being talked about very much. I'd say Antonio Brown was being talked about more in the Seahawks organization than Josh Gordon Mm -hmm. recently. And I think that lends more credence to what you're saying too. So yeah. Interesting. Agreed. Okay. Well, um, we are, Going to go play the game here that was made famous by the great uh, Bob Lung Long. here on the Money Play. He was the uh, – do you know Bob Lung at all? Yeah, you know, funny yeah. you should say that. The only reason I know him is when I got the job with football guys, yeah. they have a draft uh, that you guys went over um, up in Canton every year. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I got the call from football guys like, hey, you're in Ohio, right? Could you get to Canton for this draft? <laughs> That's awesome. I said – Absolutely. Yeah. So <laughs> Seriously. We drafted in the Hall of Fame last year. And of course, because of the pandemic, we couldn't do it this year. But yeah. So I met Bob through that. Awesome. Really good guy. That, yeah. that is uh, awesome. Yeah. Bob's a great uh, guy. Yeah. Did you, you dip out of a, a court case in the middle of court and ask, <laughs> ask for a recess and run out my the way. <laughs> Chance to yeah, hang out well, with all the Hall of Famers. I, I took a day off and headed up to Canton. And <laughs> yeah, man, get, get, believe me, we try not to work on Fridays at the public defender's office. <laughs> <laughs> good move. Yeah. You guys earned it. Um, yeah. So for those that, that listened, or if you want to go back and listen to episode six of the money play, we're now on, uh, I don't know, we kind of play around with our seasons, but I think this yeah. might be, uh, season we're season three. three, episode four. So this is like, uh, episode 14 or 15 here. So, yeah. um, yeah, appreciate you having you on here, Drew, and we'll, uh, we'll wrap it up with the game here and, and, uh, send you on your way. Okay. Um, great. 
So the game is start, sit, cut. And we're going to give you three options and uh, sometimes more. We, we keep sometimes the, more, keep the yeah. rules pretty loose around here. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> we're going to give you a scenario and, um, and some options, and you say whether you're going to start, sit, or cut. It's just a good way for people listening to get to know you a little bit better and maybe yeah. uh, pick your brain for some fantasy insight. So, uh, Brandon, if you want to start them off with question one here. Yeah, we're going to go over just a couple, like, you know, actual fantasy questions here. So, fantasy running backs, uh, auction style. We'll play We'll play with you. So, auction style. Uh, okay. Like, basically, who would you spend the most money on? A, Derrick Henry. B, Alvin Kamara. C, Dalvin Cook. So, start bench cut. Oh, gosh. Um, as much as this hurts me to say it, I'd probably cut Cook. Only because mm, uh, I can't I can't handle the injury thing. Yeah. I, I'm a pretty tortured uh, fantasy soul when it comes to injuries. Me too. So I'm getting rid of Cook. Uh, I would my start would be Kamara, and my bench would be Henry. Henry okay. You know Henry, I like Henry, but he, he, there's something about a big back like that that makes me nervous. After playing for 20 years, yeah. these guys break down quicker than anybody else. And he's had a pretty high touch load the last couple of years. Yeah. So yeah, the last two years, nervous. he's been a real workhorse. Yeah. That guy scares me too. Uh, he runs so up and down. It's the weirdest thing because he scares me too. But then I mean, you look at the numbers the last two years and he's just been killing it. Yeah. But he can't he's catch. Incredible. He can't catch either. Uh, I mean, he, he has some screens that, I mean, he does catch it and he takes it 75 yards Those running long over. legs just yeah. get going. But, but uh, uh, yeah, he scares me. He's a weird one. Mm-hmm. So I feel like he is scary, but at the same time, like, he's kind of been dominant. Yeah, he gets the volume, years. dude. It's kind of like uh, it is. DeMarco volume. Murray a little bit, you remember? Yeah. I mean, he wasn't quite as big, but they the Cowboys just ran him into the ground. Mm-hmm. Like, those couple years, I think... I've, I want to say he went over like 350 carries or something the one year. I think he got close he to 400. He hit over 400 touches one year, I think. Yeah. I, really? yeah. I want to say his carries were like 396 or something, and then he Just had receptions. Kidding. We should look that up. But That's insane. DeMarco Murray. <laughs> that's funny. DeMarco Murray's high school highlight tape. They actually played our hometown high school. And one of his top highlights was him jumping over our star player, like literally <laughs> yeah. just over the top of him. And uh, that guy's now the head head basketball coach at, at Battleground High oh, School, he? Manny Mello. Yeah. yeah and uh, yeah, he's taking those boys to state. Oh, Hell nice. of a hometown hero. 392. Okay, so Ooh, I was off by four. Man. Sheesh. Yeah, they just ran him into the ground, dude. That was, that was kind of messed up. <laughs> The insane part is he had 57 catches that year, too. Wow. Yeah, that's insane. That's wow. a lot of work. That's yeah, what a I've monster. heard of these days. Yeah, yeah. seriously. Um, okay, uh, moving on to fantasy wide receivers. Yeah. We right. got uh, A, Mike Evans, B, Amari Cooper, C, Odell. Well, this one's pretty easy for me. Okay. Uh, right, in that, right in that order. Uh, I would I would cut uh, Beckham. Not Ooh. Not a fan of Odell Beckham this year. It, yeah, it's weird to look at his career stats when he was in uh, New York. I actually just did a uh, quick little write up that we do compilation pieces of all the staff writers. They ask us for who are undervalued, overvalued at each position. And I just wrote about Beckham because he averaged something insane, like a hundred and some catches and 1400 yards and 12 yeah. touchdowns a year when he was with New York. And then he comes to Cleveland, and 
they just really aren't worried about forcing the ball to them like they were in New York. Yeah, that's weird. And I think with Stefanski stepping in, I don't, I don't see a high volume passing attack. So I think that he's going to be right around the same level again, 65, 70 catches. Uh, and for where he's going, I, he's a great player, but for yeah. where he's being drafted, he's my last pick. Yeah. Um, yeah. The, the other guy, I, I would bench Cooper. Cooper is maddening to me. He's such an awesome player, but yeah. If you've ever had him on your team, oh yeah, and watched him throw up a one point nine or a zero or something, he is really hard to handle. Yep. Um, so I'd take Evans there as my start. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. I wonder if uh, I, I think I would go in the same order too. I think when we were talking about it, uh, I think I maybe said I would keep Odell around. Yeah. But um. Yeah, it's tough. I don't know. I think it just adds to the the legacy of Eli Manning here. Uh, he's a, yes, he's, it does, he's a Hall it? of Fame quarterback, man, and he turned, he made Odell Beckham the receiver he is. Yeah, nobody's <laughs> nobody's bringing out that point. Yeah. No one's bringing that <laughs> out. Nobody wants to talk about no. the yeah the dark truth about the goat. Yeah, yeah. Eli, the, the king. Supposed to laugh, right? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm serious. Yeah. <laughs> this is Hunter's Hill right here. He's gonna die on yeah. this hill. <laughs> yeah. uh, no, I hear you. There's there is a so you're one of those, right? You're, uh, you're a, I'm an Eli truther. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Hey, fair enough. I understand. Hey, man. He's got an argument. You got, he's got, he's got the argument. He's, uh, you know, he's clutch. Well, and that's, that's he's got the rings. With, uh, he's got the pedigree. The yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you were looking at it, who is it? I saw someone asking for, well, people were trying to say, they were asking who the best running back of all time was. Asking people to name the top five. And they were saying that Super Bowl wins matter for a running back. And I just do not agree with that. Nah. No. Yeah, that was on fantasy football Twitter. I'm like, how? Like, how can you say that? But nah, um, no, I don't agree there. Yeah, nah. that brought me back to, to Eli. And I'm like, okay, you know, if, if we're saying that Super Bowl wins matter for running backs, then they matter like 100 times as much for quarterbacks. And if Eli's got two, then he's definitely in. Yeah. Uh, that's where I was going with that. But, um, okay, fantasy quarterbacks. All right. A, Dak Prescott. B, Deshaun. C, Kyler. Ooh, well, that's a tough one. Uh-huh. Oh, gosh. Um, Especially this year. This a, yeah, this yeah. Is a, it's a real toss-up one this year. Well, I will say this. As far as auctions go, um, Murray would be third. He'd be my cut. Okay. Because I think that the hype on him is a little bit out of control from what yeah. I can tell. Yeah, he's been being hyped. Yeah. Really hard. Yeah. Let's do both on he's this got... one. Let's do uh let's do auction. So how who you would okay. spend the most and least on yeah. or whatever or what their value is. And let's also yeah. just at the end, uh tell us who you think's gonna have the best season. Because I'm okay. I'm really interested. I think they've got all very unique situations that mm-hmm. um yeah. Totally agree. Uh well Murray, so the thing that that worries me about Murray, it's a small sample size, but I broke down his season. The first half of the season, his touchdown rate was really low. They were struggling in the red zone yes. and he was having problems. The second half of the season, that spiked up over 5%. If he learned something, like that that sample could mean nothing. Yeah, uh, We know that. But yeah. if he learned something and he was starting to get better in the red zone in the second half of the year, if that's what that says, boy, he, he could have a huge year and I could be – but could be wrong there, but he definitely wouldn't be a guy that I'm calling out in an auction because unless I want people to spend money, because I think that he's being overrated as far as auction mm-hmm. price. 
Um, Dak, Dak's in, getting in that territory too because they added Lamb. Mm-hmm. I th- people are just over the moon about him. I love Dak Prescott. I got had him in a couple leagues last year, and he smashed last year. Yeah, for did. his price. So I would say that uh, that Dak's going to have. To answer your question, I think Dak's going to have the best year. Okay. My favorite value of those trio is Watson. Yeah. Uh, because I think that everyone's kind of there's they're overrating the impact that Hopkins leaving is going to have. Yeah. I I think that sometimes you know especially what they were doing recently was just forcing 160 targets to him. Totally. I think a lot of times that makes a quarterback feel sort of handcuffed and he's yeah. already made a comment this preseason we're just going to throw it to the right guy every time mm-hmm. and i think he's probably feeling a little less pressure yeah um but i also i think that texans defense is not going to be good yeah so i think there's a very good chance that uh you know that that they're still going to ask watson to win games mm-hmm. and it's not as if he has nobody there's a big difference between losing hopkins and having the wide receiver core of you know, New England or yeah. Jacksonville. Yeah, he's still got really good NFL wide receivers, and he's got four of them. They're made of so, glass. Yeah, but they're he's, all he's very breakable. Them. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, they're there. Yeah. They're there to start the season. Yeah, they, they are still. And, and that's a fair uh, comment because he's got to. He's got to work with. It's I mean, Cobb. Pretty crazy. Got Cooks, Cobb, Fuller, uh, Fuller, and then Kiki Kuti. All have been, all have not been out. Yeah, and Kenny Stills, right? Kenny Stills is probably the most durable, I'd say, out of that group, which is not saying a lot. Uh, Mm -hmm. It's wild. So, but I agree with that assessment that Deshaun is kind of getting looked over a little bit. Yeah, and he's still a stud. And like, let's not forget. I mean, just how freaking good. Brandon Cooks is when he's on the field. I mean, he's got yeah. thousand yard receiving seasons with yeah. uh, what three teams? Yeah, and no other NFL player has done that, or it might yeah. be four three teams different QBs. He's got Rams, Patriots. Yeah, six. like in a row. Yeah, like yeah. He, he just yeah. keeps doing it, and people keep talking about how he can't do it. Yeah, yeah. If he can keep, you know, his there's got to be something there, right? Yeah, yeah. If he can, why yeah. change the teams? I don't know what that's about, but yeah. got to be something there. Yeah, totally. So, yeah, I like that. I like that. I think that can have a huge year too. Yeah. Um, with uh, you know, second year with the offensive coordinator, it's a uh, Kellen Moore, right? Yeah, Boise yeah. State guy. Um, but uh, yeah, yeah, I think but, that Dak and Deshaun are definitely a lot safer. Kyler's getting hyped so much, and we just, I think Kyler's. Pretty I think he'll ha- safe. I think he'll have a well because he he can run. Well, I just think that air raid offense. He's just gonna have so many opportunities. Uh, that's just what um, just gonna bomb it Cliff all Kingsbury does. Yeah, he just, I mean, throws the ball a lot. And, yeah, uh, I mean, he's got weapons all around him now. But I just don't think the Cardinals are – I don't think that offense is very good for real-life football success. I mean, yeah. they score a ton of points, but they keep their defense on the field a lot. And it's uh, it's tough to win like that. But Yeah. And I think sure. uh, winning teams tend to be the best ones in fantasy. Um, yeah, Kingsbury actually made a comment about that, that he learned a lot in the second half of the year that he needed to uh, pick his spots with running the football yeah. because they weren't – he was trying to throw the, too much. And, you know, NFL-quality yeah. players and coaches can figure that out. Oh, man. Yeah, we saw it. I don't know if there's been a more clear example when you look at Sean McVay and 
what he did with the Rams when they first got here and <laughs> what Bill Belichick did to him in that yeah. uh was that the Super Bowl, right? Yeah. Uh mm-hmm. what they just completely just dismantled him. He just man. picked him apart and mm-hmm. just yeah, executed a flawless game weeks. plan. He'll, yeah, uh, he'll tear you up. No kidding. Yeah. No one's going to get pretty him. unbelievable. <laughs> yeah, the stats for like Bill Belichick and uh and Pete Carroll out of a bye week are just unbelievable. Like yeah. they never lose. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. it's unreal. Um okay. So uh, moving, moving on. on for question number four, best fantasy moment. A, when you draft a sleeper and it works out, like that guy in the back of the rounds, you know, that you get and they, he really works out for you. When you get right. the uh, the waiver wire stud early. Like I had, uh, I got Dak Prescott off the waivers week one last year. Yeah, nobody had oh, Dak. Wow. And yeah. I had I picked up Kittle, I think, two or three years ago, and he won me the league. That oh felt gosh, it felt yeah. great. It felt great. Uh, or C, uh, just matching up with the best team in the league and kicking their ass. Like every um, year, I feel like there's always an undefeated team, and it's like feels so good if you beat them. Yeah, let's say your homer league in your homer league, in all these homer things. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I tell you what, number one for me is the draft is picking the guy right guy out of the draft. Yeah, mm. I like that. Uh, I'm too. a huge waiver wire guy. Uh, I kind of have a reputation in my leagues. Let's 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 just call it what it is. It's not a reputation. They make fun of me. Okay. <laughs> I'm pretty I'm pretty quick on the trigger on the waiver wire. Um, so, no, I like I like coming out of the draft with a guy that nobody's talking about and and seeing that hit. That's probably yeah. my biggest rush. Yeah, that's pretty um, rewarding. But, it is. Yeah. But it's also cool when you pick up that guy and then you know in in, in week nine he's crushing people. Yeah, and you're like, ah, oh, you could have had him. Yeah, yeah, I picked him yeah up he was free game. Yeah. I got him. <laughs> That's the best when you can get a guy like like you said, like you know, week nine, week eleven, or something, and then he just carries you through the playoffs. Yep. And everyone else is just, just kicking gets themselves. Hot late. Yeah. Yep. Oh, it's a great feeling. Do I got? To, do I have time for a, a twenty second story about Absolutely. that? Absolutely, of course, always. Okay, great. Yeah. So uh, this was was it last year or no? It was last year. So I made it to the Super Bowl in one of one of my leagues where uh, my team had largely avoided the big injury and I was definitely the favorite and I get to Super Bowl week and you know I'm the I'm the the waiver wire crazy person who likes to uh, corner the market on all the best players Sounds like and me. I sort of <laughs> <laughs> it's, I sort of fell asleep at the wheel in Super Bowl week and this guy that I was playing, I looked at his roster and I said, oh, man, I'm going to smoke this guy. I didn't even know how he had made it to the Super Bowl. And he just had holes. And I don't know what the heck I was doing. I think it just comes from a grind of, you know, grinding since May and it's <laughs> December. And you're kind of just like, let's run our teams out there and see who wins. Yeah. Well, he went to the wire and picked up all these guys. So, no, wait, this had to be this was two years ago. Excuse me. He picked up uh, Jamal Williams and Damian Williams. Oh, man. And they combined for like 60 points. Yeah. He ends up taking me down from he added three guys from the wire in Super Bowl week. And all three of them combined for it was something close to 80 points between the three of them. And he beat me. And I sat there with my mouth open like in the biggest week of the year. I fell asleep with the switch. Yeah. (laughs) 
it's yeah, heartbreaking. It was huge. Yeah, he that picked is. Him up and he took me down, and I'm sure he's still telling the story. Uh, oh, you know he is. Oh yeah, you know he, he is. He feels like a genius for sure. Every time he's sitting at the bar and a football game's on, and he's talking to the guy next to him about That's how yeah. <laughs> how legendary his management you style say, is. You want to hear a 20 second story? <laughs> about yeah, the time he I... just and he deserves it. I, I fell yeah. asleep. I can't believe it. I still kick it myself. Yeah, Lord knows I've so got good. my fair share of heartbreak and fantasy. I'm I'm the guy that always makes the you know, quarterfinals or semifinals and loses it to like Matt Hasselbeck or something like that, like off the, off the waivers. Yeah. So, uh, yeah my, my buddy's like that. He's uh, always the bridesmaid, never can get over the hump. Yep. This guy here is got... Kirk Cousins one here off the wire. So he's still salty. Uh, about oh, that. Yep. that one will hurt. Captain Kirk will do it to you. Yep. Um, alrighty. Best time for a cold one. Uh, just a start or a sit here. And I don't, I don't know if you drink beer or alcohol or whatever, but uh, pick your beverage and uh, best time for that nice, re- refreshing, cold beverage. Mm-hmm. Uh, Brandon's got the options here for you. Yeah. Uh, a, grilling, like a nice grilling beer when you're out there doing your thing. Uh, B, airport beer or a cold one, however you, mm-hmm. however you do it. Uh, D or C, first vacation beer. So... You get on vacation, you step out, you get your first drink. Um, let's see. Uh, beer during an athletic game at any sporting event. Okay. And uh, let's go with the boat beer. Out on the boat, you grab your first Ooh. beer. Well, that's a good one. I'm going to go with, you know, that's funny. My wife and I just had this conversation the other day about uh, you look back after you come home from a vacation Mm-hmm. And you see like the pictures from the first night you were there. Yeah. You're like, ah, oh, that was a great night. We had the whole vacation ahead of us. <laughs> uh-huh. uh, that's my, that's my pick. Uh, that's a good the, one. You get in the room, you walk out on the balcony, you look at the beach or the mountains or whatever. Mm-hmm. You pop it up. I'm a beer guy for the most part. I like my brown liquors, um, you know, rum and whiskey, sure. that kind of thing. But uh, I'm going to, but boy, you threw in the boat one at the end. And oh, that's, that's a good one. <laughs> boat? I love boat getting out there and just kind of feeling the wind and just hanging out and, yeah. and uh, having a full cooler. Oh yeah. yeah, I agree. I know you asked if, if I have one beer, but I'd like a full cooler. If yeah, of course, absolutely. Of course. I mean, no one <laughs> takes one beer out on the boat, right? <laughs> I don't think no. any of these situations you should have just one beer. Right. No, maybe, uh, not even the airport. I was going to say maybe the airport, but uh, uh, yeah. Waiting for that layover sober. Mm-hmm. I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. Uh, final here. Uh, Fictional, f- fictional fantasy quarterbacks. Yeah. Um, which quarterback are you choosing to start your franchise on? Who's your cornerstone guy? We got uh, Shane Falco from the replacements. <laughs> Paul Wrecking Ball Crew from the Longest Yard. Or Steeman Willie Beeman from any given Sunday. Oh boy! Hopefully you've seen all of these. Uh, yeah. Oh yeah. I'm going with Falco. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Yeah. Falco. Shane Falco, yeah. That's yeah. my guy right there. I I would definitely not it's between him or, or Beeman, but uh, I'm going Falco. Yeah. He's yeah. he's got the arm talent. Yeah. You know. Uh he's got that grit too. He does have that grit. And I mean that's to, where I'm less rest in my answer, winner. The grit. Yep. Yep. All right, I like it. Except for the sugar bowl or whatever he lost. Yeah. Well <laughs> in the movie. <laughs> I forgot what it was. Doesn't have the clutch factor, but <laughs> he did there at the yeah. Yeah, the, towards yeah, the end. He, he writes the ship. Yeah. But, I mean, look at that Redeeming. locker room he had to deal with. Keeping all those guys on track. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. So, I mean, well, I guess 
Paul crew was literally a team of convicts. <laughs> so <laughs> so that's had the greater challenge, but, uh, awesome. Drew, I think that's all we got for yeah. you. If you have anything for us, okay. um, you know, let us know. We've got a, uh, I want to shout out your, your Twitter handle here. If anyone makes it to the end of our podcast, um, where did I go? Oh, well, why don't you shout out your Twitter handle? <laughs> yeah, I think I have something closed out of my tab. <laughs> no problem. Drew FBG, like football guys, Drew FBG Auctions is the Twitter account. Perfect. And I've got a, a short video series on YouTube. Uh, and you just search Auction Brief. And those are little two-minute videos that will help you with auction drafting. Yes, sir. Awesome. And I believe you also have a link in the bio of your Twitter, right? Correct. Yep, link cool. in the bio. Perfect. Perfect. righty. Well, thanks so much for coming on the show. Had a blast, guys. Thank yeah, you for us too. Me. Yep. And uh, we'll, we'll see you on the Twitter. Yeah. Yes, sir. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Take okay, Drew. Take care. All right. It's the money. <laughs> Brought to you by HotGarbageSports.com. Check it out.